you to take your Bibles tonight quickly, if you will, and turn to the book of John, John chapter 19, in your Bibles once again. And I know that we've done, uh, we've done other things in the service this evening, so I'm not going to be lengthy at all tonight. I think this is going to be fairly brief this evening, and you're, you're going to be on your way. But whatever you do, don't, uh, don't, don't miss what the Lord has for us tonight. Boy, God, really, I, I, I'm going to tell you, this morning, man, God really showed us something this morning, and, and I believe the Lord's got something for us tonight. And so John chapter 19, once again, the Gospel of John chapter 19, and when you find your place, if you'll stand tonight, and we're going to read a little more scripture tonight than we read this morning, and so we're going to begin in verse number 1, and we're going to read all the way down through verse number 14 this evening, John chapter 1. And uh, John chapter 19 and verse number one, the Bible says, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers planted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe, and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns, and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. And went again into the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldest have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king." And you may be seated tonight, and uh, I want to talk to you about that little word, the little word, behold. Now, my title tonight is, Behold, I Find No Fault in Him. But uh, I want us to pray. We're going to be here uh, maybe for the next few weeks, and, uh, and we're going to work our way through John chapter 19, and, and the Lord gave me a little something that I want to share with the church, but I'm just going to give you one thought tonight. And just like this morning, I'm not going to put any points up on the screen. I'm just going to, we're just going to sort of hammer one nail tonight and then we're going to be on our way. And so let's go to the Lord and ask the Lord to help us and we'll jump right into this Bible study tonight. Father, we love you and thank you so much for a wonderful, wonderful day and a great spirit. And Lord, it's good to see this good crowd here on a Sunday evening. Lord, thank you for the choir. Thank you for the special that was done tonight by Miss Courtney. And Lord, thank you for these young men that have traveled far to be with us and to be a blessing to us tonight. And Lord, truly they were. And we just thank you for the great music and the singing and uh, everything that's been invested and contributed tonight. And Heavenly Father, I pray that our hearts have been prepared and Lord, that we're ready to receive something from your, uh, your word this evening. 
I, believe, I, I do believe we'll be brief tonight, but oh God, help us not to miss the importance of what we're going to bring tonight because it may be brief. And so Spirit of God, give us power and anointing, and Lord, help me to deliver what you've given me in the privacy of the study to your people, and I pray that it will make a difference, and I pray it'll be a blessing, and I pray it'll please you, and so Lord, help us please. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and all the Lord's people said, amen. And so many, many years ago, almost 40 years ago, I guess, I heard evangelist Tom Williams say this, whenever your heart gets a little cold, run to John 19, and it'll warm your heart. And I remember, I, in fact, I'm pretty sure I was sitting on the front row. I heard him say that, make that statement, and, uh, and it resonated with me, and I've always kept that close to heart. And whenever my heart uh, feels like it's getting just a little bit cold, boy, John chapter 19 is a great place to go. And as you begin to read John chapter 19, it is amazing how it will begin to warm your heart. So sure enough, I did this the other day, and I begin to read John chapter 19, begin to study John chapter 19. And sure enough, just like he said, the Lord began to warm my heart. And I was reminded of all that Christ did for me. One of the things that stood out to me about John chapter 19 as I begin to, begin to read this chapter, one of the things that did stand out to me is that the word behold is used five different times throughout this chapter and was reading through and I came across that word and then I read a little further and I came across that word and I read a little further and there it was again. And, uh, and we read several of those times tonight. Uh, and that word behold there means it means to denote surprise. It's the Greek word I-D-E, I-D or I-D-E. And it means to denote surprise. It, it, uh, it's a word that means to know or to be aware. And so when you find that word behold in John chapter 19, basically what it's saying is this, I need you to be aware. I need you to know something. And uh, we find here that the first three uses are spoken by Pilate and the last two are spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that may help you and it may not, but let me tell you what will help you. When you go back and study this chapter out, John chapter 19, and you begin to look at each time that that word behold is mentioned in John chapter 19, it's amazing that each one of those times has a very significant lesson. Uh, and I want to share some of those lessons with our church, and I'll just share one tonight. The first occasion we find is in verse number four, where the word behold is used. And it's in this reference, behold, and this is Pilate, I find no fault in him. Look, if you will, at John chapter 19, verse number four, the Bible says, Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, behold, there it is, I want you to know, I want you to be aware, that's what it means, behold, I bring him forth to you that ye may know that I find no fault in him. I like that. I like that. You know what Pilate was saying? I want you to know I've looked him over and I found no fault in him. I want you to know that I've talked to him. I want you to know that I've questioned him and I find no fault in him. You know what Pilate was saying to the crowd that day? I have examined this one that uh, you've accused and I don't find not one solitary blemish. In fact, in fact, this is interesting as well. 
Pilate proclaimed this on three different occasions. And I thought about that verse in First Corinthians or Second Corinthians chapter 13, where the Bible says, let everything be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And we find here that Pilate said this not once, and Pilate said it not twice, but Pilate said it on three different occasions. Look, if you will, at John chapter 18. Uh, skip back a page and look at John chapter 18. And look at verse number 38. You say, Pastor, what does this have to do with me? It has quite a bit to do with you. And so hang in there with us just for a little bit tonight. John 18, verse 38. Pilate saith unto him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find, I find in him no fault at all. And then go to John 19, verse number four, which we read tonight. Uh, chapter 19, verse four. Pilate therefore went forth again, and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. And then I want you to, I want you to go to verse number six, if you will, John chapter 19, and verse number six. He said, When the chief priest therefore and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Behold, I want you to know, I want you to be aware that I find not one solitary blemish. I find no fault in him. By the way, church, as you begin to study this out, one of the things that we discover is that the scriptures are very clear that the Lord Jesus Christ was never sinful. He never had sin. Uh, he never sinned, the Bible says. In fact, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53, and look, if you will, at verse number nine tonight, Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number nine, and we spend a little time in Isaiah this morning, and look what the prophet Isaiah said about the Lord Jesus in Isaiah 53 and verse number nine. He said about the Lord, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. And you can just jot this down. You don't have to turn there. Second Corinthians chapter five and verse number 21 says it like this. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now you say, all right, preacher, I get it. No fault in him. There's no blemish in him. Uh, okay, preacher, I think I'm following you. Jesus wasn't a sinner and that's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, he wasn't a sinner, but let me tell you why, tell you why this is important. Had Jesus Jesus been an ordinary sinner, then it would have been impossible for the Lord to pay your penalty for sin. And so when Pilate came out and said, behold, in fact, three times, I want you to understand, I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. Uh, he was saying this, he is not a sinner. I don't find any fault in him. Look, if you will, at 1 Peter chapter 2. And uh, find your place to verse number 22, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 22. Again, I say this, the reason this is important is because had Christ been a sinner like you and like me, it would have been impossible for him to pay the penalty for our sins. And that's exactly what the apostle Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 22. Look what he says. Who did no sin, neither was God found in his mouth, who when he was revived, revived not again, and when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Look at verse 24, church. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, 
should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Now, church, I'm going to be very brief tonight. We're going to be done here in just a moment, but I want you to hear me out tonight. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of folks that are campaigning right now to try to get our young people to, to believe that Jesus Christ was just a man like everybody else. And they want you to believe that Jesus was a sinner just like everybody else. That Jesus was a good man. Jesus was a good teacher. Jesus was a good rabbi. Jesus was a healer. Uh, Jesus was a, a philosopher. Jesus was all those things, but Jesus was a sinner. Uh, and there's a, great, uh, there's a great campaign going on for that right now. Young people, hear me out tonight. I find no fault in him. He's not a regular man. He's not a normal man. He's not a sinner like you. Thank God he's not a sinner like me. And had he been a sinner like you and a sinner like me, there's no way that he could have ever paid your penalty for sin. So my point tonight to the message is this. Had he been a sinner, had there been fault in him, I want to tell you something. We'd be in pretty miserable shape tonight because we would be on our way to hell and there'd be no hope. But thank God he was without sin. Uh, he was the perfect sinless substitute, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Now let me see if I can illustrate this just a little bit tonight. And so let's say that, uh, let's say that Miss Tammy and I, we go out to a restaurant somewhere and, uh, and we're, uh, you know, we're, we're enjoying a good meal and, uh, and let's just say, let's just say that uh, our bill is $67, you know, just pulling that out of the air there, $67. And it was good. Man, we got some good stuff and maybe got dessert and it was just a really good meal. And we're just sitting there, you know, we're finishing up our meal, we're fellowshipping. And all of a sudden, Brother Rodney, Miss Allison come in the restaurant and uh, they're getting ready to be seated and they're gonna, you know, they're gonna have a meal. And, and Brother Rodney uh, calls the little waitress over to the table and he says to her, listen, you see that, that person over there, see that couple over there? And she says, yes, sir. He said, I want their ticket. I want, I want their ticket. And I'm gonna pay, I'm gonna pay their, their, uh, their debt. I'm gonna pay their ticket. And so sure enough, uh, she takes the ticket, our ticket, and she brings it over to Brother Rodney and uh, our ticket, $67. And uh, so Brother Rodney and Miss Allison, they eat a good meal and uh, maybe Brother Rodney eats him a good steak or maybe a really good hamburger. And uh, Miss Allison gets something really scrumptious and, and maybe they get a little dessert and uh, maybe some coffee. And I mean, it's just, you know, just a, a good, good meal. And, uh, and lo and behold, their bill comes up to be $67, just like ours, $67. Our brother Rodney goes to the, the little desk to pay and uh, he looks in his wallet and he realizes something. He only has $67. That's all he has, $67. Now, church, we got a problem. We got a problem. We do have a problem, don't we? Brother Rodney, don't ever do that. But anyway, we got a problem. And now, here's the problem. The problem is he only has enough to pay his debt. He only has enough to pay his bill. Listen, if Brother Rodney only has $67 and my debt is 67, his debt is 67, you know what that means? He can only pay his debt. That means somewhere along the line, you know what, I'm gonna have to make sure that I, I wash dishes or I'm gonna have to make sure that I do something. Now listen to me. You know the great thing about the Lord Jesus Christ is that Jesus had no debt of his own. Amen. Jesus didn't have to pay for his sin. Jesus had no sin to pay for. And because he was sinless, because he was without fault, thank 
God, when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, guess what happened? He paid my debt and he paid it in full. The songwriter said it like this, oh, how great was the debt that I owed, bound to pay through the seeds I have sown. But in Jesus, my Lord, what great treasure I have found. I'm redeemed by the blood of the lamb. The old songwriter said it like this, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but thank God he washed it white as snow. Someone else said it like this, I owed a debt I could not pay, but thank God he paid a debt he did not owe, amen. Hey church, I came here to tell you, behold, there's no fault in him. He's without fault, he's without sin. And because he's without sin, thank God, he paid my debt in full. Isn't that a blessing? Hey, I want you to take your Bibles, we're about done. I want you to take your Bibles, and I want you to turn to Leviticus chapter 16. Leviticus chapter 16, I'm gonna show you something that's really neat. Uh, and I believe, that, I, I believe this will help you. You say, preacher, I didn't know there was anything neat in Leviticus. Yeah, there is. Man, it's a great book. It's a great book. Look at Leviticus chapter 16. And I'm gonna tell you in just a moment, I'm gonna tell you where to look to, but let me explain. Let me explain Leviticus chapter 16. And maybe this will help you to understand what I'm trying to teach tonight about this thing of him being without sin. On the day of atonement, there was a certain sequence that the priest would use uh, to try to atone for the sins of Israel. Now again, I wanna take just a moment. I wanna go through this sequence because it's pretty interesting. And, uh, and I believe when we get down to the end, this will help you to understand a little bit better about what I'm preaching tonight. So let me go through that with you very quickly. I won't belabor the point, but I wanna go through it with you because I just, this week I was looking into this and I thought, wow, man, that goes, that goes exactly with what I'm preaching on Sunday night. What would happen on that day of atonement? What exactly would happen? How would the priest go about atoning for the sins of the people? Well, first of all, the high priest, as he entered the temple, would wash in something called the laver. He would go to the laver. It was, a, oh, it was a basin. It was like a sink. We would call it a sink or something like that. And there was water in that laver. And he would go over and he would wash himself and cleanse himself. He would make sure that his fingernails were clean. He would make sure that all the blood was washed away. He, he would make sure that, that he was absolutely purified and without defilement. Because if he walked into the Holy of Holies and he was dirty, God would kill him. And so he would stop at the laver and he would wash at the laver. After that, he would dress. He would put on his priestly garments in the tabernacle. We find that in verse four. You can look that up later. Number two, the high priest would then offer a bull as a sin offering for, first of all, himself and his family. And so he would enter the Holy of Holies with the bull's blood, incense, burning coals from the altar, the burning offering, and this was sort of neat too. Now, wait a minute. Now, we're not quite to the atonement of the children of Israel. He's doing this for himself. So they kill a bull. They take his blood. The high priest takes that blood, comes into the Holy of Holies, and he would take that blood from the bull, and seven times he would sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat to make an atonement for himself. The high priest uh, would then, and this is the part I want to get to, would go back to the courtyard and our Bible tells us in verse number seven, verse number eight, 
that he would cast lots for two goats. The high priest sacrificed one goat as a sin offering for the people. We find that in verse number five, verse number nine, and verse number 15. The high priest would re-enter the Holy of Holies to sprinkle blood on the mercy seat and also on the holy place. The high priest returned to the altar burnt offering and he would cleanse the altar of burnt offering with the blood of the bull and the blood of the goat. But stay with me, church. Stay with me. This is where I want to get to. But then the priest did something very significant after he'd done all of that. He went to the living goat. Now, one goat's already been slain. One goat, the blood has already been spilled, and that blood's been applied. But the priest would go back to the living goat, and they call that goat the scapegoat. He would confess his sins and the sins of Israel over the head of that goat. And then they tell us this, that a man would lead that goat deep into the wilderness where he released that goat never to be seen ever again. Now look with me if you will, Luke 16 and verse number 20. The Bible says, and when he hath made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat, look at verse 21, and Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man. Oh, I'm glad a fit man came, amen. He will send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness and the goat, here it is now, verse 22, and the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited and he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. So you say, Pastor, I'm not following you. Hang in there with me. The sacrificial death of the first goat symbolized atonement. It symbolized forgiveness. But the scapegoat symbolized justification. Our sins have not only been covered, but thank God our sin has been completely removed. Oh, listen, church, did you know that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for you and did for me? He not only forgave our sin, but thank God he totally removed our sin, amen. Did you know you're not just born again, but you're justified tonight? It's just as you had never sinned, Micah chapter seven and verse number 19 says it like this. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. And I like what Corey Ten Boom said in her book called Tramps, uh, uh, Tramps for the Lord. Corey Ten Boom said, when you come to know the Lord, the Lord takes your sin. He casts them in the depths of the sea. And then she said, I believe he, he posts a sign right there that says, no fishing allowed. And so, boys, thank God, because he was sinless. Now, follow me now. We're almost done. Listen to this. Because Jesus was sinless, he was able to pay my debt. And he was able to pay your debt. Does that sound like good news? But that's not all. That's not the extent of what Jesus did. Yes, he did pay your debt. And thank God he did pay my debt. But he did much more than that. Have you ever done this? Have you ever been in a checkout line? Isn't this embarrassing? And you came up a little short. You were checking out at Walmart or Food Line or Publix, and uh, you thought you had enough, and 
you know, it was uh, 8.98 or something like that, and you had 8.50. And man, you're counting out your change, and you ladies are digging in your pocketbook like only you ladies can do. And, and, uh, and you're thinking, man, I knew I had it. I thought I had it. Well, you're holding up the line. And there's two or three people behind you. And all of a sudden, the, the person behind you in line says, no problem, I'll get it for you. I've got 50 cent right here. I've got a dollar right here. And I'll, I'll give this so you can get out of my way. Amen. No, I'll, no, 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 I'm, I'm picking them. They say, listen, I, listen, I've got a dollar. I'll be glad to give you a dollar. I'll be glad to give you, I'll be glad to give you 50 cent. And so they, they pay, they pay the debt that you couldn't pay. That's a blessing, isn't it? But that's not all that Jesus did. Jesus didn't just pay your debt. Jesus didn't just pay what you couldn't pay. By the way, church, you couldn't pay anything. But Jesus didn't just do that. Now, think with me. Imagine that you owed a debt of $10,000. $10,000, but you've only got 10 bucks. That's all you've got. You say, preacher, it'd be impossible. How can I pay a debt of $10,000 and I only have 10, only have a $10 bill? How in the world can I pay a debt of $10,000? That's a great question. But let's say that you had a friend and that friend who loved you very much deposited a million dollars in your account. Truth of the matter is, you could pay off that 10000 very, very easily because that friend deposited a million dollars in your account. Hey, Calvary, did you know that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for you? Jesus didn't just pay the penalty for your sins, but when Jesus paid the price, he put a huge deposit into your account. He not only saved you, but he made you heirs of all that he possesses. Can I show you? Can I show you? Look at Romans, if you will. Romans chapter eight, we're done. We're out of here. Romans chapter eight, and look at verse number 16. All this is good. Romans chapter eight, verse number 16. The Bible says, Romans chapter eight, verse 16. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Look at verse 17, Romans eight, verse 17. And if children, what's the next two words say? Then heirs, heirs of God. And look at the next line, church and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Boy, I want to tell you what. Jesus didn't just pay for your sins, but he put a huge deposit in your account. And he has blessed you beyond measure. I thought about that story that I've told, but it's been a little while. There was a father and a son that lived in New York together. The wife and the mom of the son had passed away sometime back. And, and uh, this father and son loved, they just loved one another, and they loved art. And it said about this father and son that they had put together an incredible inventory of art. I'm talking about Picasso and Rembrandt, Van Gogh. Um, it was just incredible what they had in their home. In fact, they said 40 million, they had $40 million worth of art in their home, 40 million. Well, they enjoyed fellowship, the father and the son did. Well, the war broke out and the son was called away to fight and, uh, and he fought valiantly. 
And that daddy would sit at home, he was up in age, and that daddy would sit at home and he would wait for every letter. And, uh, and occasionally a letter would come and man, he would open up that letter and he would read that letter and, and he would read it again and he would read it again and, and just, uh, you know, just thinking about the son and, and uh, praying for him and loving on him. And so every time a letter would come, boy, he would just, he couldn't wait to get it open, read that letter. But sure enough, the letters got less and less and less. And, and then one day, a letter come, I came, but it wasn't from the son. A letter came and it was, it was tagged War Department. And that dad's heart sunk, it sunk. And he, he thought, oh my. He was hesitant to open it, but he, he opened the letter and sure enough, it said, sir, we're sorry to tell you that your son, fighting valiantly, your son was killed, tragically killed. And that father was heartbroken, absolutely heartbroken. Loved that boy like his own life, was heartbroken. Well, about three months passed. There was a knock on the door. The old man didn't get out very much anymore. The butler went to the door and he answered the door and there was a young man young man there at the door. And the young man asked for the gentleman by name. And the butler said, he's not seeing anybody. And, and I don't think he, he, he would want you to come. And he said, sir, please. He said, uh, I knew his son. And he said, please, let me, let me talk to him. And so the, the butler saw him in and brought him to the dad. He said, sir, he said, this young man said that he knew your son. He sat down and began to talk to that father. And he said, sure enough, I did know your son. In fact, he said, I wasn't sure if you knew how your son died. He said, your son died saving his comrades. In fact, he said, sir, he said, I was over his shoulder. He said, I'd been wounded, was not able to get out of the line of fire. And he said, your son ran into the fire. He said, picked me up, threw me over his shoulder and was taking me to safety when a heart, when, when a bullet pierced his heart. And he said, sir, he said, I was over your son's shoulder when your Son died. He said he was one of the greatest men I've ever known. And he said, I know that you and your son love art. He said, I'm not much of an artist. But he said, I painted a picture of your son, how I remember him. And he said, I just wanted to bring it by here and I wanted to give it to you. And so sure enough, he, stood, uh, he took a, a cloth or something and he uncovered the portrait and he gave it to the father. And it was, it was good. It wasn't great, but it was, it was okay. And the father said, sir, he said, I'm so glad you came. Thank you for, thank you for coming and, and telling me how my son passed away. And he said, I appreciate that so much. And they parted ways. The father took that picture. He put that picture over the fireplace. And every day he would sitting in front of the fireplace and he would look at that picture and he would think about his son, think about their love and how much he loved him, how much they loved one another. And sure enough, that father passed away, finally passed away, just a broken heart passed away. And he, he, before he died, he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to auction off all my goods, 40 million, 40 million just in art alone. And he said, I want you to auction off all my goods. And so sure enough, they began to promote that. And they said that people came from all over the world wanting to get their hands on the Rembrandt and the Picasso and the different paintings and the art all over the world. That uh, auction started that day and the auctioneer got up in front of that vast crowd and he said, listen, he said, the first thing, he said, the first thing that we've got to sell is this portrait. 
And sure enough, he unwrapped that same portrait that that soldier boy brought to that father. It wasn't very good. It was scratched up and it was sort of dilapidated. He showed the crowd the the picture of that man's son and he said, we've got to sell this first. And the crowd was taken back. And they said, we didn't come across the world to get that. That's not art. That's not good. I could paint something like that. That's not great. Get on, get on to the auction. We want to get started. We want to get our hands on this art. And, and the auctioneer said, uh, said, folks, I'm just telling you, said, we've got to sell this before we sell anything else. And so, do I hear a bid? Would somebody make a bid? And nobody would bid. And, and he said, come on now. He said, somebody, make a bid. Give me something for this picture, this portrait of the sun. And nobody would bid. Finally, there was a caretaker that had worked for that man and his son for many, many years And he walked into that room and he saw what was going on. And he saw what they were auctioning off. And he raised his hand and he said, sir, I'll give you $10. He said, it's all I've got. But he said, that young man was one of the finest young men I've ever known. He said, I'll give you $10. The auctioneer said, $10, $10. Do I hear 11, 12, $10, $10, $10 going once, $10 going twice, $10 sold right back here. And then all of a sudden he took that gavel and he slammed that gavel down several times and he said, the auction is now closed. And those horrified people said, do what? What did you say? The auction is now closed. All bidding is now done. He said, this was the, this was the request of the owner. He said, uh, he said that we won't sell anything until somebody takes the sun And he said to the person who takes the son, I leave all my wealth. I want to tell you something, church. When I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, he didn't just pay for my sin. Come on now. Come on, hang in there with me tonight. He didn't just pay for my sin. He made me an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And that means that everything he has, I have. Everything he possesses, I possess. Listen, that's why I'm going to live in heaven. That's why I'm going to walk on streets of gold. That's why I'm going to walk through gates of pearl. That's why I'm going to live in a place where there's no more cancer and there's no more Alzheimer's and there's no more dementia. Hey, that's where there's going to be a place where there's no more baby caskets. Boy, thank God I get to go to that place. And one of the reasons is because, behold, I find no fault in him. He's without sin. Will you bow your heads with me tonight? Father, we love you. Simple, simple. But I hope it's made sense. Oh, Lord, we're so thankful. He's the sinless, the sinless, spotless son of God. Behold, I want you to know, I want you to be aware, I find no fault in him. There's no blemish There's no shortcoming. There's no transgression. There's no wickedness. There's no sin in him. He's without sin. And because he was without sin, he was able to pay my penalty in full. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for paying for my sins, for writing my name in heaven. And thank you, Lord, now you've made me an heir and a joint heir with Jesus. 
Father, maybe there's somebody here tonight. Maybe, just maybe, they've never trusted Christ as personal Savior. And tonight, they know that they ought to do that. The Holy Spirit's dealing with them right now. And they know they ought to do that. Father, I pray right now you're giving them faith. And I pray that you give them courage. And God, I pray tonight that they'll decide I'm coming to Christ. I'm giving my life to the Lord. I want Christ to save me and change me. I want to be redeemed. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. You know, Calvary, if nothing else today, I hope Jesus has gotten a little sweeter to you. Boy, he sure has to me. Boy, thank God, as we talked about this morning, he's given us his robe of righteousness. And we're so thankful because of his lack of sin. He can pay for ours. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Real quickly before we go tonight, would there be one anywhere tonight would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, preacher, I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. I don't know that Christ is my Savior. I'm just not sure, preacher. And I want you to pray for me. Is there one anywhere like that? And you'd raise your hand real high right now. Just raise it. Let me pray for you. Just raise it real high. I see that hand. Somebody else? Is there anybody else? You'll let me pray for you? Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you pray? Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Oh, Calvary, I want to tell you something. Because we have such a great Savior and a great salvation. You know what that means? Oh, we ought to be sharing it. Man, we ought to be sharing it with this lost and dying world. Letting other people know that they can come to faith in Christ. Would you stand with us all over the house tonight? So, Lord, I pray that you'll have your way in this invitation. I pray that you'll speak to hearts. Lord, it could be somebody needs to come and get saved tonight. Lord, maybe somebody needs to come and just rededicate their life. Father, maybe some just need to come and just say thank you, Lord, for a so great salvation. Thank you, Lord, for paying for my sins. And thank you, Heavenly Father, for making me an heir and a joint heir with Jesus. Lord, it could be many things, but I pray tonight, Holy Spirit, that you'd have your way in this invitation. We sure thank you and praise you for all that you are to us. In Jesus' name, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Would you come while we wait? Would you come? Would you come? God's dealt with your heart. Would you come tonight? Pastor, I need to be saved. Would you come while we wait? We would love to take the Bible and show you how you can know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. Will you come? We're going to pause just for a moment. Some folks are in the altars. We're going to pause just for a moment. If you need to come, you come while we wait and see.
You can look up this way, church. We're going to sing this little chorus before we go tonight. It just simply says, He touched me. Most of you know this. Sing it out like you mean it tonight, all right? Let's sing it, church. Ready? He touched me. Oh, He touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Sing it, church. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made. Oh, you got to sing it one more time. Sing it out together. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. my soul sing it Calvary something wonderful happened and now I know he touched me and made me amen amen had the Lord been good to us today man it's been a great day it's been a wonderful wonderful day and we thank the Lord and praise the Lord for his blessings uh, Jessica Wyatt comes tonight, Jessica, right down here, and uh, Jessica's been saved, and she's been baptized, but she comes tonight wanting to join membership here at Calvary Baptist Church, and so do I hear, uh, uh, all right, a vote, okay, there's all kind of votes, all right, Jimmy, I'll let you make that vote tonight, that motion, Brother Allen, back there, I'll let you second that motion, and all in favor of that, say Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to give Miss Jessica the right hand of fellowship here. Miss Jessica, welcome. Amen. That's great. And you find her after the service. Find her after the service tonight. Welcome her in. And uh, listen, the young men from West Coast are going to be around for a little bit. Some may be out here at the display table. And so go by and uh, check out the resources out there and, uh, and give them a good North Carolina welcome. Give them a good Calvary Baptist Church welcome, even better than that. And, uh, and they'll be around and fellowshipping a little bit, and then we're going to take them out here. We're going to feed them supper tonight. And so anyway, we've enjoyed. Did you enjoy them tonight? Amen. Amen. It was great to, great to have them. Yeah, give them a hand. Amen. It's great to have them here this evening. And it's been great to have you today. Thank you for being in the Lord's house. And listen, we hope you have a great week this week. Choir, thank you for coming early today and practicing. Really appreciate that. Thank you for being willing to go with us on this Thursday night. And let's be praying for all the special things that are going to be happening. Amen? All hearts free this evening? Man, are you glad for the robe of righteousness? Amen. Everybody got your suit on tonight? Amen. Amen. I, I hope you do. Well, praise the Lord. You know, you sort of come to the end of the day, you sort of hate to, you sort of hate to see it end. Amen? I know we got to go home, but man, you sort of hate to see it end. And so it's been a wonderful, wonderful day today. We thank the Lord for that. Amen. Brother Lee? Come on up, if you will. I'm going to have you dismiss us in a word of prayer. Don't forget Wednesday night, our deacons are going to come. I'm sorry, Brandon, I forgot about you. I apologize. And so, Lee, hang on just for a minute. But our uh, deacons are going to give their testimony on Wednesday night, and so I hope that you'll be here for that. That's going to be a special time. I'm sorry I forgot about you, Brandon. Come on. Go too far. Don't go too far. Well, as you, many of you know, our pastor's birthday was just the other day in 28. Amen. Looks good for 28. <laughs> Amen. I hope I look that good at 28. Amen. Amen. 
Hey, but uh, on behalf of the church, we just want, we just want to say happy birthday, and, and the church has done a little something for you, just to say thank you and happy birthday, and many more. Amen? Church, thank you, church, and uh, he wasn't lying. I mean, he was just off a little. It's actually 29, all right, 29, and he just barely missed it, all right, barely missed it, but uh, anyway, thank y'all, whatever that is. I really, I really appreciate that very, very much, and so listen, uh, Miss Tammy and I are going to be away just for a few days, but we'll be right back, and, uh, and so you pray, you pray for us, if you will. Uh, whatever you do, don't miss Wednesday. Don't miss Wednesday. I will be preaching away on Wednesday night, and uh, but I, I turned this preacher down three times. I've turned him down on three different dates, and and so since the way the service is structured on Wednesday night, I felt like I could probably slip away and go preach for this gentleman, and so we'll be preaching away on Wednesday. Then I'll see you on Thursday, the choir. I'll be preaching, and we'll be with you down at Shining Light, and uh, and then don't forget Brother Travis Campbell will be with us this coming Lord's Day. And looking forward to a good day together. Brother Lee, come pray if you will. God is good, isn't he? Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for this day that you've given us in your house. Father, thank you for the righteousness of God in Christ. Father, I pray now that you'll be with us as we leave here, God. I pray that you'll protect us, protect the West Coast choir, God, as they tour this country. Protect their travels, protect our travels. God, be with us until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. 